So the question of where did I come from, our origin, where do we come from? And the question can be found in the Bible in many, many, many places. And I've just pulled out a few scriptures. Psalm 100 verse three says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So it is God who made us. We have been made by God. So when we ask the question, well, where, where does humanity come from? At the large scale of all people, but also individually then. And we know, well, God has created us. So we know where we have come from. We have come from Creator God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. I love this passage, Psalm 139, verse 13. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So again, not just that God started off creation at one point in time and then let it go, but every time a human is formed, is born, is conceived, God is in that process of knitting someone together, putting the pieces together, putting the pieces together of what you're gonna be like, how, what you're gonna look like. And He takes parts from your mother and your father and He puts them together, but God creates this unique creation in you. So not just that we can look at the Scriptures and say, well, I know that God created me, but He created me special and unique and one of a kind. So that puts not just the fact that I was created, but it puts value in us. That's the inherent value of humanity is that God created us and we were made in His image in order that we can relate to Him. And in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. Now again, all of these areas might be questions that you have already answered and they're locked in in your mind, but I also wanna encourage you that these are questions that your friends and your family members that don't know Jesus, they will ask these questions. And sometimes people go through life not even questioning it. So they're also a good place to start, even in, in having a conversation about Jesus with people. We can ask some of these big picture questions. Hey, where'd you come from? And they might have answers of from, from science or from their own perspective, but to give meaning and intentionality to that, that's where God comes in. So I know where I came from and I know where I am going. I know my destiny. Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So we know in this life, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives individually, and He has a plan and purpose for our lives as we are connected together. Maybe in a local church context, as a spiritual family, maybe your own paternal family, your relationships. So we are not ever just individuals. We are individuals that are connected to a larger grouping of people. So our lives individually matter to God, but our lives together matter to God. And God has called us to partner together in life to fulfill His plans and purposes. 
Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. This is a great promise for us. So God has started a work. If God has revealed Himself to you and you say, yes, I've become a Christian, God has started a work in your life. But then He doesn't, again, He doesn't just start a work and then leave it to hopefully finish. God remains faithful to work that out every day in your life. God is present and active with us. John chapter 14, verses one to three. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. That's Jesus. It says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So we know that God has a destiny for our lives here on earth, but God also has a destiny for the next life that we'll enter into. So when we leave this earthly realm, when we leave this season of life, we know that God then prepares us for the next season of life where we will be with Him forever. Revelation chapter 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That is the promise, the ultimate promise of our future is that a time will come when Jesus will return. He'll establish a new heaven and a new earth. So again, Christianity answers the question of, well, where does humanity come from? We come from Creator God. And where is humanity going? Well, ultimately they're going to spend eternity with that Creator God. That's the promise for our lives. That's the, another major question that get answered. So we can know where we're going in this life to come. Jesus shines light on meaning. So again, we can say, well, I know where I'm come, I've come from. I know where I'm going, but why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? Now, again, the world offers many, many things that we can participate in. And we probably grow up in, in families where it's modeled to us, well, these are the things that you do in life. You're a child and then and you grow up and you go to school and maybe you go to university, you get a job, maybe you get married, have children, you buy a house, you buy a car, you retire, you buy a boat or, or something, I don't know. Like you, it's just kind of that pattern of, of, well, there's this really a life that the world maps out to you that you could say, well, that's kind of the pattern of, of how life goes but it doesn't necessarily give meaning. There might be enjoyment in those things, lots of joy, there's often hardship in those things, but the reason, but why am I here? And again, the Bible reveals and Jesus reveals, particularly in the New Testament, and these are four areas that we've talked about a lot, but essentially is that we are here to love God, we are here to love other people, we are here to 
help others become disciples of Jesus. And we're here to see God's kingdom, that heavenly reality come to earth. So we find those in the scriptures around the great commandment to love God with every part of who you are, to love your neighbor as yourself. In the great commission, which is to go and make disciples of all nations and in the Lord's prayer, which even for those who didn't grow up in church, you've probably been to enough funerals or enough, you know, you've been dragged along to something uh, where you've learned some parts of the Lord's Prayer. But it says that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So contained within those four areas, in my opinion, is enough to keep us busy for the rest of our lives. Just learning to love God with every part of who you are, that's a full-time job. That's an everyday reality. And then to take that experience of loving Him and then to reach out and to love others in the same way. To love others in the same way that we would love ourselves. That again, so that's a second full-time job. And then through that process to see as we have received salvation from God to say, well, I wanna invite other people to receive and experience that. And then to bring the reality of God's heaven to earth. And as we say, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season, but He's not just the reason for this season. Jesus is the reason for every season and in every season of our lives. He remains the reason. I mean, really what we celebrate at, at, at Christmas time, it's wonderful and it's great, but, if, but it's an everyday celebration that we get to have. Every morning when you wake up and you have breath in your lungs, you can say, thank you, Jesus, for my existence. And even if you didn't wake up tomorrow with breath in your lungs, you could rejoice because you would be with Him then for eternity if you've accepted Him as your Lord and Saviour. So whether in this life or in the life to come, we have reasons for celebration. And Jesus remains the reason for every season in our lives. Amen? And finally, this question of morality. Is there a right and a wrong way to live our lives? Now again, every culture will have rules around what is right and what is wrong. They'll have laws related to those things. So you'll get punished for doing wrong and you might get celebrated for doing right. But all of those things have to come from an objective place. Otherwise, it really comes down to, well, whatever I feel is right, is right. And whatever you feel is right, is right. And whatever I feel is wrong, is wrong. And whatever you feel is wrong, is wrong. And that's, I mean, that works at an individual level. If I think it's right to do something that you think is wrong though, as we live together in relationship, that's when we start to have issues. Clearly, people have a different moral framework. Some people would consider certain things, oh, that's fine for me to do. I don't mind doing that, it doesn't really bother me, maybe to lie, to cheat, to steal, to do kind of bad things in my life. Whereas someone else would say, well, that's, that's, that's wrong and I won't do those things. But then they'll just have a different kind of sliding scale as to what is right and what is wrong. But for us in Jesus, we have a very clear, in most circumstances, framework for is there right and is there wrong and what is right and what is wrong? Because God as the Creator has created earth, humanity, existence to operate in a particular way. You know, God didn't just create 
earth and humanity, he then gave us the instruction booklet for how it works well. And again, we can, as maybe, maybe all of us have that part, I guess as we're made in the image of God, we're maybe made like some men who don't want to read the instruction booklet. We're probably all a little bit like that when it comes to life. We go, I'll just kind of give it a go, I'll figure it out. And then we find ourselves, you know, at the end, maybe with a handful of leftover screws, thinking, hopefully this thing holds together. <laughs> we'll give it a go. But God reveals in Jesus, He says, this is the instruction booklet for life. Here is the one that you can follow. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way, He is the way to follow. He is the truth, He is the embodiment of all that is true. And He is not just the embodiment of life, but the life giver to us and to all of humanity. So Jesus sets the standard then for what is right and what is wrong. Jesus is the measure. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 3, chapter 20, this is a long passage, but I think it's important. It says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So this is talking about the Old Testament law, but any time where there's like a rule or a regulation, even that God gives, what it reveals is that we are not able to live up to God's standard. So when we look at whether it's the Old Testament and the laws there, or even the laws and the ways of living that Jesus reveals to us, part of that, that's to say, this is the life to lead, this is the, the life to go after, but contained within that is also the revealing that I'm really bad at following the ways of Jesus. And that's sin because actually there's parts in my heart where I don't wanna follow God's plan. I don't wanna do what God determines to be right. I wanna do my own thing. And it reveals sin in our heart. But then it says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested, has been revealed apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard. But through Jesus, because He lived a perfect life, we receive his right standing with God. That's what righteousness means. It means to be able to stand rightly with God, to be in right relationship with Him. We've been reconciled to God through Jesus. So even as we look at this, well, there's this life for me to live. There is a right and a wrong. And the goal is for us to hit the bullseye in life. But there's also contained within that, this reality that it's not about determining whether you're in right relationship with God. God's like, I've sorted out the relationship issue. I sent my son to die in order that even though you have sinned and you've fallen short of my glorious standard, you can come into right relationship with me because I look, as I look at you, I see Jesus and He has covered all of your sin 
So we then get to stand in right relationship with God. It doesn't mean that tomorrow or even today I'm going to do everything right. I'm not gonna perfectly follow, but even if I make a wrong choice, it doesn't mean that I come out of relationship with God. I get to stay eternally in relationship with God because it was never about what I had to do. It was always about what Jesus had to do. So from that place, from that platform, from that foundation of me and God being in right relationship, he says, now this is the way to live. This is the instruction manual. Look at Jesus, do what he did, do what he said, live how he lived, and you will experience abundant life. Because oftentimes when I, if I look at the life of Jesus and I'm like, man, that looks like a really difficult pathway to live. And there's this kind of easier pathway over here. So I think I'm just gonna take the easier pathway. I did this during the week. Uh, we were down in Peaceful Bay, a family kind of camping holiday. And uh, on the main road coming into the campsite, they were doing roadworks. It's a strange thing because clearly over the Christmas break, that's the time when hundreds of people are gonna come to this isolated campsite in Peaceful Bay. And yet, it seems like that's the time of the year that the campsite and all the surrounds decide to do roadworks. I'm like, do you not do anything else for the rest of the year and to save everything up to that time? So anyway, it was kind of where they would stop you and you had to wait for all the other traffic to come and it just got kind of frustrating. So I decided, you know what, there's another pathway to get from the campsite out to kind of to the main road. And so I decided to go down that pathway. And what I thought would be an easier pathway turned out to be not quite an easy pathway. Uh, it's had, because it was a gravel road and corrugations, everyone know what corrugations are? That's these little kind of tiny bumps. It's from obviously wheels spinning on the gravel and they slowly over time create whip ripples in the road. So then it meant that I was stuck doing even less than 40, probably 20 kilometers an hour for, you know, for, for 10, 15 k's along this road. And, uh, and so I, I did that once and I realised it's probably not the right way to go. It didn't work out for me. I thought it might be a shortcut, ended up taking me much, much longer. And, uh, but as an analogy for life, sometimes that's what we do. We think, I think there's an easier path around this. And yet we find that it doesn't work that well, or it might work for a short amount of time and then it doesn't work out that well in the end. But it's the same thing when it comes to following Jesus. There are ways that God says, this is how to live. And we go, I don't know if this is gonna work, but if we trust Him and we are faithful to follow in His ways, I know that it turns out better in the end. I know that the pathway of humility will turn out better in the end. I know that the pathway of trusting God will turn out better in the end. I know the pathway of, of loving even those who don't love me back is gonna work out better in the end for me because it will change me or it'll change others. And ultimately, we'll look more like Jesus and we'll have a greater and more life-giving experience. So Jesus brings light to where we are from Jesus brings, shines light on where we are going. Jesus shines light on why am I here? And Jesus shines a light to show what a good life looks like. Jesus shines light on our history, on our future, on our identity and purpose. 
And Jesus shines light to direct us on the path that is best for us and also best for others and best for the world and ultimately best for His glory that we wanna reveal. But maybe a question to ask ourselves today is what, if any, of these areas have become dark for us? Or maybe we've never actually gone down the journey to to let God shine light on those areas. To let God shine light on the, the fact that I'm created by Him and I'm created for Him. Maybe that's a, a dark space in your life that hasn't had the revelation light of Jesus shone on it. Maybe when it comes to your destiny and the plans that God has for you, maybe you've never asked Him or maybe you've never felt like He's revealed to you, where am I going, Lord? And, or maybe it seems like a dark place because you, you, you're not sure you actually trust what's going to happen when you die or even that He'll look after you in this life. Maybe it's a dark place that Jesus needs to shine light on when it comes to why am I here, Lord? I've been following this kind of pattern of, of the world or, or people around me. Maybe I've been looking at others and saying, well, I guess I just want what they have or I guess I'll just do what they do rather than saying, well, Jesus, you have a plan for me. Or maybe there have become some dark areas in your life where you've, shut God away and haven't allowed Him to shine His light on some areas where you know you're not living in the way of Jesus. Maybe you've had a season where the light has been there and slowly it's faded away and the, the door is slowly kind of creaked closed and the light has been shut away and you know there's some areas of darkness, but you're just hoping that if you can't see it, then nobody else can and maybe even God can't. But that's like my kids when they were little and used to play hide and seek. And they would, I've got the photo of Noah with his head buried under a bean bag. The entirety of his body was sticking out. But he assumed, well, I can't see anything. So maybe no one can see me. And yet I could see every part of him apart from the head that was under the bean bag. And that is the reality of God. Even though we don't let Him in to shine light in those places, God can see in the dark. So God can see the darkness in your life. He can see all of those dark areas. He loves you. He accepts you. He is for you. But He wants to shine His light in order to bring life, to order to bring righteousness and renewal to you. But we have to let Him in. And not only does Jesus shine a light for us, but He shines a light for the world, for all of humanity, for all of creation to see. So that's the other beautiful thing that we have to offer the world is that, and Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So He reveals Himself as the light and then He passes on that responsibility of bringing light to us. He says, you are a light on a hill, you are a light. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't light a lamp and then put a bowl on it to shut it down. And I wonder even today as we might go off to different places, are we going with the knowing that we are carrying the light of God? Will we go into next year with an acknowledgement that 
I, just, I don't just have light, I get to give light to the world. I get to reveal the light giver and the light bringer in Jesus to the world. It's not just a gift that we wanna receive and hold on to ourselves, but it's a gift that we want to continue to pass away. Even at Christmas time, as there is always the giving and the receiving, that we have received the ultimate gift, but now we get to give the ultimate gift to others by introducing them to Jesus. Amen, let's pray. Well, we thank you, Jesus, for your light. And God, we know where there is darkness, Lord. That light can be scary, Father, because we're not sure if we allowed you to shine light. We're just not sure whether we would even like to see what's there. But I thank you, Jesus, that you see the light, that you acknowledge the light. And you see all of the things in the darkness, Lord. That you don't turn away from those dark areas, God. You don't turn away from maybe areas where we're just living with our own plan, God. Living with our own destiny in mind, our own purposes that we've decided or maybe the world has put upon us, Lord. Or maybe even those areas, God, of, of sin in our hearts that we just know they're not your way, Jesus. But whatever area it is, Lord, we pray that you would in your gentleness and kindness and loving way, would you come and shine your light on our lives? Would you come and shine your light on our history? Even Lord, not just where we've come from that we were created by You, Lord, but even the history of our life gone by, Lord, where there might be dark areas, Lord, that You're wanting to shine Your light to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring restoration. Lord, would You shine Your light on our future, God? Father, where it maybe we, it feels like we're looking into darkness, would You shine Your light? Would You show us, God, not just where we are going in eternity, Lord, but where we are going tomorrow, where we're going into next year, Lord. Would You shine a light into those places, God? Lord, would You shine a light into our purpose, revealing, Lord, why we are here the amazing plans that You have for us, Lord, that You have created us for a purpose and it's a glorious and wonderful purpose, Lord. And Father, we ask that You would shine Your light on those areas of our heart that we know, Lord, we're not living rightly. We're not living in the way of Jesus. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. And we thank You, Lord, it is Your kindness that leads us to repentance, Lord. So we feel Your gentleness today, Your kindness, Lord, that You would even shine Your light on us. And Jesus, as we go from this place, not just today, Lord, but throughout the end, to the end of this year and all into next year and every other day, Lord, that we would also see, wow, we have light to give. We get to reveal Jesus to the world. What a gift that not just that we can receive, but we can then project that light out and introduce others to know You.
So we thank you for your light. We thank you for your life. We thank you that you came to reveal the Father to us, Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, that when you went, you sent your Spirit to come and dwell in us, that we might live every day in your presence. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Bless you, family. We love you. Merry Christmas.